Hello everyone, welcome to Darren Matthews and Sometimes Friends, a podcast where I speak to people much more interesting than myself. Please enjoy. Hello everyone, if you've managed to stay with this episode of Darren Matthews and Sometimes Friends, where we've already covered the fantastic musicality of the Bonnevilles, and I've got Andy McGibbon here as my guest. Uh, I've decided to do a wee second part of the episode because I didn't do an episode on Wednesday because I was quite busy myself. I normally knock out two a week. Let's compress this into two episodes with the same man because there's different threads to us, but we can talk about. We've already chatted about the band. Andy, you have a podcast, which I listened to the other day. Now, your podcast is traditionally yourself, but I think with a bit of ease of lockdown, you've been able to have guests now. You can socially distance yeah. have guests now. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, so who have you had yeah. on so far? Well, I've had, I've had Mickey Bartlett around a couple of times. And he just lives around, you're one of your fellow comedians. Mickey just lives around the corner. The last, the last one we did, um, he phoned me up. <laughs> he says, he says, motherfucker, what are you doing? I said, I'm not doing anything. I'm locked in the house. He says, do you want to do a podcast? I said, come on around. So I just set it all up out in the garden and it was one of those gloriously hot days filmed it now and it's up on YouTube and we just basically get drunk and have a laugh as you know what it's like yeah and um and then the last one I did there was with uh, Guy Rory Craney who's a political activist and advisor he works for Sinn Féin down in Kildare so I did that with him there the other day and uh, I was asked to write an article I wrote an article for Unfoblet about uh, protest music yeah and he he wrote an article in the same issue so we started to talk about that and, and, and it was about the Irish election and what was going on down south and the, the phenomenal, and I mean that as in it actually was a phenomenal, it was a phenomenon, the, the rise of Sinn Féin in the, those elections in February. So we, we spoke a lot about that, but more general stuff too, you know, Rory is a, he's a real historian, you know, of Irish, Irish politics and uh, he's a good guy to talk to. One of the things that, I, that it really interested me and has made me want to do this part of the podcast where I talked to you about it was he's um, Roy's a greater reader. He's very good at, at projecting his point. He, he speaks very well. Would they not yes. consider asking him to fucking run? Because he can actually, he vocalizes what they, they need to I, hear, you know what I mean? I think he will at some point. I could see it with him because he is, he's, he, he knows his shit, man. He, he really, and he, he means it. Like, you know, he's, you know, you know yourself. Her, uh, himself and his partner there, that they, they, they were they were doing the the they were up in the room together while we were doing the podcast. Uh, they would sort of be, the, you know, the thirty year olds, the third in their thirties, Sinn Fein, new sort of this new youth wave yeah. that's coming through, and these people are have no more interest in capitulating to the right wing in any way, shape, or form. They're just not doing it. They just don't want anything. They want they want social democratic um, politics to be Ireland's future. And the, the, you know we've had a hundred years. The one in the south have had a hundred years of that, of that right centre right, and it's just it's left them with a fucking crumbling health service and a few uh, homeless problems and housing crisis and you know and it's only through social democratic uh, politics that they're going to get that fixed. Yeah. Well, one of the things I want to talk to you about, and I mean, to, I think maybe it can be geographical in how you're brought up and where you're brought up. So number one, yeah. Andy, you grew up in uh, Lurgan. Are you Lurgan, Creavan? Lurgan, yeah. Lurgan, yeah. Okay. Very, very. Lurgan's a, a mixed community, right? 
Yeah, f- pretty much 50-50, yeah. Yeah, but Lurgan is mixed, mixed 50-50, maybe in more of a... I don't want to... How do I say this, right? More negatively, maybe, than where I'm from. So I'm from Bestbrook, which was a mill town that was, that yeah. was built by the Quakers, and it's yeah. pretty much 50-50 as well. Um, but yeah. Bestbrook is right at the foot of where South Armagh starts, which is seen as a very Republican area from the Troubles uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff. But that meant that I had this kind of weird youth or weird upbringing of growing up in a mixed area but my nationality was Irish I played the sports spoke my couple of fuckle in you know in school and all that kind of stuff but I had this kind of weird thing as well where my family maybe not my dad my dad would be fairly Republican but his family history is so all over the place uh, yeah. traditionally speaking and something that was really brought up and um, I thought your buddy brought it up fantastic thing traditionally speaking in my household we wouldn't be shinners. We're Irish nationalists, but um, where we grew up would have been more SDLP kind of thing. Uh-huh. But one of the things, one of the yeah. points that, that uh, was brought up was something that, that I feel as well, where it was really nice to hear a, a younger person. So the, the Sinn Féin aspect, uh, a, a, can you say a shinner? Is a shinner like a bad thing to say? Or I, mean, I think that's okay. Was... The shinners, you know what I mean? It was sort of like that. Yeah, that's yeah, a shinners. yeah. It was really nice to hear all a young con- person. It's all, about con- all about context. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think it was, uh, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, but I thought it was nice to hear somebody talk about going back to the socialist principles of the thing. Completely. That, and that's, that's what I mean. Because that's, that's my thing. Yeah. The socialism, not I, the... Well, well it's a, and if, it's, if, you're, if, you're, if you were raised with, uh, you know, as, as, you know, the SDLP, the S in the SDLP means socialist. But the SDLP have been have been canvassing for a centre right the, the the Irish Tories. And Here is the problem of me now being thirty four of the party that I would have voted for when I was eighteen. They used to be the civil rights party, and they're now Catholics that went to university. That's that's the problem. Exactly, mate, and that's exactly the problem. And and the the the, 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 the it, it's like this thing. I when I talk to people about the the. Young people are turning to socialism, right? Across the world. Um, now, why? So, the first thing that happens with the establishment is that they instantly poo poo that, dismiss you as being either naive, stupid, childish, or just plain wrong. But they don't address the point. Why are people turning to socialism? Why is a younger generation abandoning the politics of their fathers? Why? Because the current situation has let them down. They can see it. It's let them down. The first, across, across the Western world, the current generation of youth coming through are the first generation of youth to be going, doing worse than their parents. Yeah, they're not going to own no their progress. own not, There's no progress. They're not going to own their own houses. They're not going to have a job for life. They're, 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 they're going to retire later. Etc. Etc. So the 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 information's all there. So before anyone goes calling any young person who might decide to identify as a socialist or explore socialist policies, they must first ask why is this happening? And it, if it was one or two people, for, you can dismiss it. it. It's not. It's the Western world that's happening. And. This is the point with Rory. 
I've known Rory for quite a while now. I've known him for a number of years. I knew him, from, I knew him before he, he joined Sinn Féin. He was a trade or, union organiser. I used to go and watch him up at town organising pickets and stuff and then getting the bullhorn out and giving the beans on a, on a soapbox. And he was, as, he was impressive then as he is now. And Rory's thing is, is socialism first. And that has to be a part of Sinn Féin's... Uh, uh, um, uh, their, man their manifesto basically going forward is a socialist one, it has to be a socialist one. But as Rory pointed out in the podcast, it's not hard left, it's sort of center left, it's middle of the road, social democratic, housing policy, healthcare policy, education policies, elder care policy, social policies, normal stuff that was done in the UK after the war, that was done in America after the war, the FDR, um, the FDR New Deal type, the Scandi, Scandinavian type social democratic policies. These policies, that's what they are. That's what Sinn Féin is offering. They're not offering this hard left Marxist stroke communist that, that they get portrayed to be in the press. And people like Rory and his generation coming through are very, very well, they're very well educated in the sense that they know what they're talking about and they know the difference and they're able to articulate it. Yeah, no, there was loads of stuff that Rory pointed out on the, the podcast that I could I could just take those points and be like, well, like that's a whole other discussion. Everything just led down into, oh, fuck, you could talk about that. And Jesus, there's yeah. a good point. And it, it was actually, it was nice to hear him talk as well because I mean, um, it's so weird as well that I, like, I grew up in South Armagh, but traditionally not, not shinners and kind of a weird thing as well is people where you think where you think people would be really hardcore republican and, and some of the areas are people don't vote for Sinn Féin so it's it's changing that attitude as well but the same point even growing up in Bestbrook and stuff I'm not gonna I'm not gonna vote for the fucking DUP or the UUP even though we have those councillors in our area no. you know that kind of way completely absolutely and it's, you know and that's the thing too and we must you know the, the, the thing that I would say to anybody that is is confusing Sinn Féin from 1984 to Sinn Féin now, whether you agree with that Sinn Féin or, or don't, you must understand the difference, of the, the difference in the politics and keep it real. The politics are different. Sure, there may be certain personalities within the party that you don't like, and I understand that. There are certain personalities in every political party that you just find abhorrent. And there are certain individuals within every political party that have pasts that, aren't, 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 that, 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 should, that, that are terrible. We know that. But you've got to keep it real. You've got to keep it realistic. And within Northern Ireland, and, and that's a part of our discussion going forward in Northern Ireland, that we must understand that we've been divided and conquered along sectarian lines. But what we have in common is we're working class. We're majority of majority of every country is working class, and we need to unite along those lines and abandon the old sectarian hatreds of the past. And it's difficult to do. And I know it's easy for me to say that, but it's that's what we have to do. And we need to understand that those sectarian divisions have been have held us back since before the the, the troubles certainly through the Troubles and even since the Good Friday Agreement, those same sectarian divisions have held us all back. And we need to understand that I've got more in common with a working class loyalist in Portadown than I have with uh, 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 some Tory fucking grandee. Yeah. Literally, we've got more in common. Those guys are representing us and they're running our, our world, our, our society and our communities. And 
we need to be able to park that sectarianism. When you talk about sort of political representation and having more in common, we, we are the working classes as well. I used, to have a, I used to work for just in a coffee shop in Belfast when I was playing music and stuff. I worked with a guy from the Shankle Road called John Geddes. John's a phenomenal guitar player, really nice guy, fucking head screwed on, you know, vegan, loves his pints. It's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a well-rounded, nice fella and chatting to him. Yeah. And I remember chatting to him. We were having a beer one time and I went, I went, John, who can you vote for? I goes, I goes, cause you're, I goes, you don't own a farm in the glens of Antrim. I said, you're dirt from the shankle. And he, he went, I probably haven't been able to vote for anybody since David Irvine died. Yes. Isn't, isn't that true. madness? Like, it is, but, like, but this is, this is the problem, Darren. This is my, this is my, this is my big thing at the minute. And I mean this sincerely. My big thing at the at the moment is that's why I wanted to get Rory on the other day to talk to him specifically about. I wanted to bring up the, the United Ireland thing because it's a very much a hot topic, right? And we're living in a country where, just demographically, given time. The demographics are going to change through 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 uh, uh, birth rates. You're going to end up with more nationalists, so-called nationalists, yeah. that are given a, if they get given a border poll. If we demand one, we'll get one. And if we if we get it, we're going to vote to, uh, uh, to 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 unite with 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 the South. The problem that we have is not that in and of itself. The problem is that we've got a significant portion of our society that aren't even having the conversation and they're going to find themselves bounced into a country that is literally what they describe as being the worst nightmare. And for, for, and it's going, for the next number of years, and but they refuse to talk about it. And since David Irvine died, the leadership, the, the paucity of leadership within Ulster Unionism at the minute, and certainly within loyalism, is shocking. And they're leading these people down at Jordan. Forget about the DUP. We know what they are. They're gone. But the loyalists have to be represented. And it's important for us all. It's important for me as an Irish nationalist that the loyalists feel comfortable going into a new Ireland. If it happens, I'm not saying it's going to, but if it happens. But the, the reality is they ha they're not even having the conversation. Certainly not in public. Do you know what I mean? And it's just bury their head in the sands, cling to the same old tropes. And they're going to have to think about this. They're going to have to have a strong British identity within a new United Ireland, if a United Ireland happens. And how are they going to have that? How is that going to happen? By talking about it, making demands, getting the things out on the table. This is what we want. We want seats, guaranteed seats in the Senate. We want uh, an all-island NHS. We want guaranteed dual identity. We want, they maybe can ask to rejoin the Commonwealth. I don't know if they'll get it, but they can ask for it. But if they don't ask for it, they're getting fuck all. And then they're going to find themselves in a new country. And what are, are they going to be happy? Are they fucked? And, and then what happens? It's, so it's good for nobody. It was a point you brought up as well, where you said to Rory, you were just like, look, I know, you were basically like, I know you're in Sinn Féin and like aim number one is let's get a United Ireland. But I'd be the same thought as you because I grew up with Protestant neighbours. I don't want to be in a new country where those people are marginalised or made to feel unwelcome. And I certainly don't want it to be where if we get that as well. Because weirdly enough, I remember listening to an interview with Jim Owen, who's a comedian who lives in Australia. And he said he was a Catholic from Northern Ireland. 
And he said, I kind of felt like I didn't belong anywhere. He says, because when I went to Dublin, people called me a Brit. And when I yeah. went over to, you know, like I didn't, and it, but I wasn't Irish in my own homeland. And mm. I was like, yeah, I felt that way, man. I've lived all over the world. And I've yeah. said to people, oh, I'm Irish. And they're like, what part? I'm like, oh, from the North. And they go, does that not mean you're British? And I'm and that guy's dead now, but that's not the point. But yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, I, I want that, but it has to be, I have to know that my friends and people who I know personally, because the problem of it was, with sectarianism nobody fucking knew anybody they were just especially here in belfast where i live even like i'm not fucking from belfast so i think they're nuts but they had built a wall <laughs> i'm like you guys have built a wall and then you wonder why there's suspicion because all people do is look at that wall and go i wonder what them fuckers are doing over the other side of that everybody the other side of it's a bastard it's pure panic <laughs> it's pure because you don't know what they're doing you can't see them there's no there's no yeah. um, mix there's no yeah. uh, vocalization which is why one of the yeah. things that i wanted to talk about was i've recently signed up to play for the East Belfast GAA. Have you? Yeah. I actually know Where the guy. You? I know the guy who started the team by accident. It's a guy called uh, Dave McGreevy. Dave's from Newcastle. Uh, mm. uh, but he played county football for London for years and he lived over in England. I played with him in tech here in Belfast about 15 years ago. Dave's a phenomenal footballer. But yeah. he's also lived in England and he's, he's yeah. mixed with people. And he's from Newcastle, which is a mixed area as well. And he basically said, the principle of this team is we do not field unless we have Protestant players on the team. We need unionists. And the GAA as a, as a support and as a sport should be something that we can... I'm like, take your place at the table. Let's, let's have this be the starting yeah. point. Come with us. Exactly. Come and learn about yeah. the history that would not exist if it wasn't for you boys. This is the mad shit. No Irish fucking language, no Irish music, no Irish sports. Yeah without the people yeah. that we are supposed to be afraid of. Yeah. Exactly. It's fun. Could, could, you, could you put me in touch with him? I'd love to talk to him. I, I will. I will. I'll, I'll get in touch with David. I asked him, I asked him to do my podcast, but he basically said, because of the situation, probably won't be doing any podcast or any more press until after the 12th of July. And I was like, okay, I get that. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Well, you, sure. You don't want to be tense. No, 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 absolutely. I think that's absolutely wonderful, and that that exactly is exactly what we need to, what we need to be doing, and, and it's those sort of, it's those sort of things. It's 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 just an acknowledgement. It's just a realization. Things have changed, and things may change still further, and we are uh, we are one people, and and this is the thing as well. And it, I mean, I, I I consider myself to be an Irish person, but I'm also Northern Irish. I that's different as well. That's not the same. Now, whenever people people whenever people talk about that, they they must understand what they're saying. You hear a lot of people say that. You know, I under I am Northern Irish, and Northern Irish people aren't the same as people from Dublin and the people from Cork. The people from Cork aren't the same as people from Dublin. People from Waterford aren't the same as people from fucking uh, uh, Kerry. Yeah. We're different. We're the, uh, people from Yorkshire aren't the same as people from fucking Cornwall. That's just the way it is, right? So we but we do have our own unique identity we do have our own unique northern irishness it is a real thing it does exist and we need to appreciate that not and, and understand that we can be all of these things we can be irish and an ulster man we can do all of these things and we can also and it's, it's one of the things that i am heartened by whenever you see like the orange order put it this way haven't covered themselves in glory with their community outreach over the years let me say that putting it kindly 
But the Orange Order would be welcomed in the South. They're not by everybody, and it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. The Orange Order are in the South. There's Orange Lodges in Monaghan, Cavan, Donegal. Donegal, exactly. Nobody bats a fucking eyelid. Nobody bats a fucking eyelid. So, but but, those lodges have been living in those lodges exist in the South, and they've existed historically in the South. So they commit, they conduct themselves with a certain amount of yes, this is my community too, and I don't want to fuck it up. And, and and so on and so forth. So they you know those lodges march and they do all the, they do all the community outreach things that, that that those community organisations do within their community, and that's fantastic. But going forward, you're probably going to talk about having a, a march in Dublin, something like that. If you have any United Ireland, and so on and so forth. All these all these symbolic uh, 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 markers are going to have to happen. And there's absolutely, Sinn Féin have said it, Mary Lou MacDonald has said it. She says, if I was teaching, I would have no bother with it. Of course the Orange Order can march in Dublin. They're going to have to. It's a part of the culture. It's a part of what we do. But at present, the last time that there was an Orange March in Dublin, we had a fucking riot. Well, there you go. The Love Ulster Parade resulted in a riot and looting and all sorts of madness because it wasn't in the framework. Exactly, and 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 this is the this is the whole. But you know, it's you know, the, 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 for me personally, and again, the orange like when I contrast the two. So for for the for the for the loyalist community, the Protestant community, you've got the Orange Order, and for for uh, the 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 Catholic nationalist community, you've got the GAA. And when I contrast those two organisations, they couldn't be farther apart. The GAA are fabulous. I've slagged the GAA off in my life in the past calling them this, that, or the other thing. The way they've conducted themselves with this COVID thing, I will never cr- criticise the GA as long as I live. They've been Shut down brilliant. before the government. Brilliant. They've been absolutely... Every GAA club in the country organising food banks, outreach programmes, community things, looking after children, doing this, doing that, doing the other. You know, and when I contrast that to what the Orange Lodge do, which is sort of the closest thing that community would have to the GAA, I don't know what the Orange Lodge do because I've never. I'm not obviously. I, I don't. I don't go to one. But you're not allowed to um, join. I'm not allowed to join. I don't know nothing yet. Um, but you know, when I contrast that, certainly, let me put it this way: their public face is one of exclusion, and what this this sometimes they say things, but it's not what goes down on the ground. It's not what you you, you certainly don't feel that the leadership. Again, the paucity of leadership since the likes of David Irvine sadly died. The, the Orange Order, somebody could have filled that void and nobody, and it should have been the Orange Order or someone like that, and, and, and it hasn't been filled, you know? The fundamental point of the Orange Order is that uh, when you talk about the differences if in you, within the Orange Order, you cannot join if you are what is perceived to be a Roman Catholic. Now, I haven't practiced my faith in a long time. I'm, I was raised Catholic, sent to Catholic school. I'm not a Catholic as far as I'm concerned anymore. I still can't join based on that. The GAA is in existence all over the world. I have played in teams in New Zealand, in uh, Australia, and in Canada. I have played football in those three countries because I live there. I've met GAA teams in Kuala Lumpur when I was gigging over in Asia. I've met the Singapore Lions. Turned out there was a guy playing for Singapore who fucking went to school with my wee brother. Of course he did. There's 7 billion people on the planet. (laughs) You're going to meet some fucker that knows your brother. Um, it's that whole thing and I was like but and I said at the same point but 
let's be under no bones as well. Andy, I mean, you're from, you're from Lurgan, which is a very contentious mm. place because places like Lurgan and Derry have a lot of dissident republicanism. If you're going to broad spectrum stuff and say stuff like, uh, the Orange Order hate us because we play GA and that's an Irish Catholic sport. It's not, it's a, it's an Irish Gaelic sport. Your religion has nothing to fucking do with it. And also I will say to people, if you are a Republican and if you can broad spectrum say, I hate Protestants, away home and burn every history book you ever read because all the poor bastards that tried to organize us and tried to help us hundreds of years ago, all Protestants. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. But, but all your football teams, Wolf Tones, Henry Joy McCracken. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the, all the United Irishmen, it was all led by Protestants. Yeah. You know, even the 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 the, the, 19, the Easter Rising, the, you know, half of them were Protestants. Part you know, of Pierce so, Countess Markovitz. Our modern history has hijacked the exactly. true nationality of what we are. Exactly. And it's got nothing to do with fucking religion. I still think we're Gales. We're Gales. And, you know, if you're going to, if, if the Ulster... If an Ulster man is going to connect himself to Scotland, well, he's a fucking Gale too. And you know, that's our history. That's our commonality. And those are the things that we, we, should, we, we should be howling at the moon and painting ourselves fucking blue with uh, uh, black with, with fucking Wold. berries. That, was, that was the, yeah, yeah Wold Wold was the paint, yeah. I, I, that's what we should be doing. You know, that's the sort of, I, I'd love to see all that. But it, it's this whole, the, 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 modern, the, the, the modern era, for me, as you mentioned it earlier on, you know, the, the, the S-word socialism. And for me, I follow politics closely. When Jeremy Corbyn, and I watched him over the since his election where he gave Theresa May a bit of a kicking, although he didn't win the election in, in 2016. Since from, from, well, from he was nominated, from, from he became a leader of the Labour Party, really. But from, there, from, that, from 2016 specifically until the defeat at the hands of uh, uh, Boris Johnson. I have watched the establishment in the media and the political, even his own party, crucify that man. That man is a, is a nice, that man is a good man. It's a saint of a man, saintly type of a man. And I watched them do that to him. And for me, when he lost that election so badly as well, I mean, gotta remember, a, a good, got a, a humping, an absolute humping. Yeah. I stopped paying attention to British politics because I would have kept one eye on British politics, one eye on American politics. You know, well, if I had three eyes, the third eye would be on uh, Irish politics. And I, 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 that's, that would have been my political sort of landscape. I have completely stopped paying attention to British politics because it can be, it can be distilled down into something so simple. And it means that you don't need to worry about the detail. You just need to look at the likes of who's in charge. Boris Johnson, Pretty Patel, Michael Gove, uh, uh, the, the, the Victorian fella. You know, the, 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 and, and, and that, that's, those people are in charge. You know what they want. You know what they are. You know what they want to do to you and your life and your, your family. And they, they want you to be basically working in indentured servitude until you fucking scuffle off into your grave and never be heard from again. That's all they want. So for me, there's no point in even paying attention to the detail anymore. So my focus has completely turned to United Ireland because it's the only way, it's the only future I can see for us as a people. Like you and me, we live in Northern Ireland. I always say this, I've had one democratic vote in my life that actually meant anything, and it was the Good Friday Agreement. I was too young to vote in that one, so. Yeah. yeah, well, I well I voted in it. It was the only one 
every other election didn't mean a, mean a thing. And what and so an answer to the, the the common retort, which is, well, what about the Westminster election? It doesn't mean anything. Here's one for you. Sinn Féin's abstentionism gets gets criticised. It always gets criticised. So what are you doing for your... So whenever Sinn Féin criticises the SDLP or DUP or whatever, for this, that, or the other thing, the answer that comes back is, so you don't even take your seats. What, what are you doing for your constituents? And it's a... it's. It's common sense answer. You kind of go, well, that's a fair point. I can, that's, there's nothing wrong with saying that. You know, technically, I, I, I would I would ask that question quite a lot of our. Yeah. We well, I I know our fucking Westminster MEP and and yeah, yeah. Gary, so I'm like, <laughs> exactly. So, but here's the here's the answer, and it was um, Michelle O'Neill uh, said it. Uh, did she say? I don't know if she said it to Arlene Foster, but she said somebody up up on the hill, and they had her with that. And what she said back to them was, sure, the DUP have technically been in government for two years and look what's happened to you. And that to me was a big eye-opener. That to me was like, she's right. We need to be out of there. We need to get away from that place because we will always be screwed by British politics. Always. Show me an example where we haven't been. The setting up of the state of Northern Ireland the, the, the official unionists got screwed. It, we just get screwed all the time. And the reason that we get screwed is because we don't ruin, r- r- rule or, or take care of our own affairs. Now, people would turn around to you and say, well, sure, look at them shite hawks down in Dublin. But at least we, we can vote them out. There are shite hawks. We can get rid of them. What can, what can we do in England? There's nothing. Literally nothing. It seems to be any time Northern Ireland is mentioned. If you ever watch like Westminster or BBC, if there is something that's being voted in that's related to ourselves, there's usually not too many people in the Commons. It's like the, the two SDLP councillors, the four or five DUP, probably all the SNP because they actually fucking show up. One of their big things yeah. is they want to be there. And yeah. they're like, well, we, we want to say so we can get the fuck out of here as quick as we can. But no, I, I would be, I mean, that's that's my personal opinion as well. I, and I've asked, you know, like local Sinn Féin yeah. and I'm like, well, if you're going to fucking be voted in, do something. And I remember chatting to one of you, he's like, you know, when we're over there, we're lobbying for stuff. I was like, fucking get the vote yourself. But that's, my, what would you think? I mean, I, I don't want to ask you who you vote for as well, but what did you think about whenever Colm Eastwood and Claire Hanna went into Westminster and they read yeah. their oath while protesting? Was that a good thing? Is yeah. that progress, or is that still well, well, taking your seat? Well, uh, yeah. Well, I again, I've, 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 I'll be honest with you. I've come round to the Sinn Féin way of of it. It's not so much the abstentionism, but the point of the the point of of abstentionism in the modern era is to point, put a light on the fact that nothing can be achieved in that place for us. That's what it is. That's the point of it. What it was originally is another thing. Countess Markovitz didn't go. So, you know, the point of it originally is for whatever, is a reason that I don't know. But the modern point of it is that there's nothing can be achieved. And to to double down on that, just take a look at what the DUP achieved when they were in literally... Uh, uh, keeping the government, the British government in power, the, the sixth richest economy on the planet, the government of that economy, of that country, was being kept in power by nine 
uh, unionist MPs from Northern Ireland, and they still got screwed. Still yeah. got screwed. And we got fuck all out of that. They can say we got the, we got nothing. And so whenever Colin Mason and Claire Hannah t- t- taking their t- doing their oath in Irish, I love it. I love the Irish language, so I'm delighted to see anybody talking Irish. And I understand. And it was a nice thing to do. But ultimately, it's it it makes me feel kind of good for a minute or two. But it's it it it's, it's a little symbol. It's cool. I wouldn't really read too much into it. I mean, I think obviously it's probably just for so many years before, you know, before partition and that sort of stuff. One of the big things was Irish people just weren't represented in Westminster. But that's that's history versus what's going on now. And the main thing is the fucking DUP love being in Westminster. Them boys love going to London for tea with the Queen and all that stuff. But that's the point. That's the point yeah. for them. For them, it's the trappings of the establishment. It's the trappings of state. It's the it's the it's the it's the talking about royalty. It's going around Westminster Palace. It's about getting driven by chauffeurs. Now, how the fuck is he supposed to represent me, a working class slurgan boy? How's that supposed to happen? The one that I always used to get a bit of a bit of a, a sort of sick enjoyment out of and a bit of fun was um, I used to work with a guy. Uh, he was fairly loyalist. Now, nice dude. Our politics did not match, but as people, we were both working yeah, yeah. class and we both got on. Yep. And we headed over London. And I think we were there about six hours before somebody called him a patty. And I near fucking wet myself laughing. <laughs> and, I, and I said to him, I, I was like, this is what you need to understand. I was like, dude, these people don't give a fuck you're, about you. I was like, you're a patty. You're a yeah. patty. I was like, you're a you patty. Can, I was like, Boris Johnson's dad's going around saying we're going to kill each other no matter what happens. So, yeah. You know I mean? Don't give a fuck. I, 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 I'll be honest with you, Darren. I, I'm, uh, I just don't know what it's going to take. For uh, well, Literally, I would love someone to tell me what it is. Because I, I'm, I'm actually reaching out at the minute to try. I, I would love to interview a loyalist representative. I've got a, I've got been, been, someone's been suggested to me. So I want to start seeing if I can get a chat to him. I'm going to have to go to the Belfast interview. But I really, really want to do it because I have questions. I want to ask, what do you think these, what is it you're going to have to see before? And I know that you don't want to be told but you don't, you're not wanted by them people and you are running your own community into the fucking ground by the continued deference to the, these, the trappings of, the, of state, these, the, these cultural identity little um, um, baubles that, that we cling to that ultimately mean nothing. And by the way, I say, when, when, I, when I say that, I mean from the other side, I mean the national side as well, the tricolor, the soldier's song, these things mean fuck all. They mean nothing. If they make you feel warm and cozy for a minute, very good. But they're not worth one fucking hair on one person's head when it comes down to it. And if they need to go, they need to fucking go. That's what I'm saying about with the loyalist people, what they need to ask for. We know what the green, white, and orange is, right? Green, white, peace yeah. between green, right? If they've never accepted that, if that needs to go, I'm prepared. I'm happy to see it go. Now, I know a lot of people won't. I know a lot of people won't be happy to see it go. But I personally am. The soldier's song can go fuck itself. It's a terrible piece of Victoriana dirge. I could knock out better in five minutes. Which but, was written in English and translated to Irish. That's why it doesn't fucking work. Yeah, that's and, when you and, say and, it, you go, 
that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't, that's doesn't that's rhyme. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's just a piece of a copy in England. We should have some big, glorious, Ellen-type Celtic fucking rah with a lambeg drum banging in the background. It'd be fucking yeah. class. And yet, we should be playing at football matches. And my only defence of, of that is... All Ireland final day, standing there in your Armagh shirt singing around <laughs> Vane. I know. Mm. But, the, but, that's what I mean. but these are the these are the cultural trappings, trappings. that we have. I, I understand. We, we've got ours, they've got theirs, and we need to see through them for what they are. They're nice, they make us feel good, and we love them and all the rest of it. And but we need to understand that they're not worth dividing your community over. They're certainly not worth giving your children a better fucking future over. No, I, I, one of the jokes that I, I've, I mean, because I do comedy, I have lots of bits and bits about this and about playing football. And like, I currently play for a team in West Belfast. I play for the reserve team uh, of St. Paul's. And as you said, brilliant organization. We're organizing stuff for food banks. We were dropping stuff up there during all this COVID crisis. Fantastic uh, club, great people and their community. They're like, this is, forget everything else. This is the fucking community and they look after the people up where they're from. Same as where I'm from. Um, my dad's from a very rural place called La Summon, which is just outside between Uri and where would be the next biggest place? Mount Norris, Market Hill kind of thing. We're yeah, from out yeah, there. Yeah. So that's, that's, we're very community based even though it's a very rural club. Same idea. But one of the things I wanted to say was because you talked about trappings, Dave, who has organized East Belfast GAA, yeah. there's been a lot of press about it. So there was Irish Times did an article, Belfast Telegraph did an article. So the two things are reporting the same thing, but reporting it differently, if you get me. And then you read the mm-hmm. comments on Facebook and people, that's not welcome here, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the things was, um, I think they had originally put up a logo, which was the two cranes of Free Belfast, Samson Goliath. Now the problem with that was the Harlem Bull shipyards pretty much wouldn't let you work there if you were Catholic. So we were like, yeah. we're not totally sure. But I said, let's not get caught out by this bullshit of division and yeah. I goes, let's, I goes, why not embrace it? I said, the South African rugby team that won the 95 World Cup played in green and gold, the colors of the apartheid regime, because Nelson Mandela said, we're not going to turn the country on its head and change everything. We're going yeah. to take the bad and make it represent good. And one of the things that we said was, which is in the emails from, from East Belfast I've been chatting to, pretty much open forum to all the members, be you nationalist, unionist, if you just want to play sport, Here's the thing, and here's something I could ask you your opinion. What would you call if you had to come up with a name? So you play for some, were you St. Peter's man? Was that you're in Lurgan? Is that your no, Clanner, man? Clanner, sorry. Jesus, Clanner, that was yeah. I, I, oh my I'm god, the, sorry, the, that was that was, that was, that was <laughs> I'm at the Peter, I'm, I'm at the Peters now for the Irish language thing. I, I know I know how Lurgan football works. I'm very sorry. That was such a <laughs> negative. That's like that's like calling somebody from Scotland English, you know what I mean? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um no, that was the thing. So let, let's talk theory. If you were trying to bring everybody on board, and this was something that was put in the email, which I thought was brilliant, what would you call a Gaelic football team in East Belfast and what colour jersey should the team wear? This is, this is serious questions now. That's what, what class, you, isn't it? What do you think? Um, I mean, I, I, I have, I'll tell you mine, but you have we think. Well, well, I mean, the obvious one would be a red, would it, would it be a blue one or a red, red, white and blue one? I know that they I, put up a kit and it was similar to that, wasn't it? I, I did suggest that because I said, well, look, New York, when they play in the, the Connacht Championship, play in red, white, and blue because that's their colours. And then I was just thinking, does it need to be that on the nose? Could we make it white? Could we make it plain, fresh white. canvas? What about white and red? White with red in it? Like an Ulster flag sort of, uh, yeah. that sort of connection to the, 
to the Ulster man. But if you think about it, a traditional Ulster flag is a red hand with a yellow background. So it depends who you're talking to. This is the this oh, is the true. this is the dancing round shit. Well, here I tell you what you could do, and it's the thing that you know. I know that loyal. I know you're not talking about loyalists uh, per se, but loyalists um, sort of have claimed Cuchulain being an Ulster man, the defender of Ulster. Exactly. So maybe well, I don't know what the what the 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 red the red um, what was it called the red chapter or whatever they're called down there down Norma, but whatever the whatever well red. There you go. So the, the warriors were red. The red, the red branch, or the Cree Rua, which is the name, which is the Cree. name of the the hurling team in Bestbrook, where I'm from, is are the Cree Rua. That's the name of the hurlers. There you go, good man. The red branch. So maybe red. Yeah, I'm that sure the Cuhollands are a hurling team in Armagh as well. So it's the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right, but so you've got you got that Ulster connection, and it's a broader, you know. So the so the Ulster thing is is yeah. I don't know. It's up to them, really. Whatever, whatever makes them feel happy. But this is the thing what I, I thought was a brilliant idea because it was the club was starting a conversation. They were like, what makes you feel brilliant. comfortable? What wants, to, what wants you to come here? Also, I tried to be very sneaky as well, being from Armagh. And I said, why not, like <laughs> white, why not white for peace and then maybe orange? Because, I mean, people in United <laughs> communities love the colour orange. So I was like, I'm going to get a fucking Armagh kid out of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I get a, an, an, an extra special clan orange kid as well. Yeah, I was trying to be very sneaky about it. Like, but, um, and then yeah, the, name, yeah. the name I suggested as well, um, I was trying to think of a name and I was just like, you know, do we call oh, do we call the team the fucking Irvines? But then not everybody in East Belfast would agree with David Irvine. So I came up with the idea of, I said, well, why not? I goes, let's call it the Sam Maguire's. Sam Maguire's East Belfast because Sam Maguire was a Church of Ireland. So he was, yeah. was a Church of He was a, a Protestant man. Uh, he's the highest prize in the land you can win if you're a Gaelic footballer. And he wasn't in the paramilitaries. So... <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm just like, I'm like yeah. how do we do this without annoying anybody? Because we're not going to go to East Belfast and name a team after like an Irish rebel. I was like... No, I mean, no, no, no. You, yeah. you, we can't be the Henry Joy McCrackens, you know what I mean? Even though there are McCrackens teams all over the world, Boston and New York yeah. and yeah. So yeah. Well what about what about um what about some was John Hewitt a Catholic or a Protestant? John Hewitt. I can't mind. Well unless the pub are gonna fucking sponsor the team, it wouldn't be given to them. Let me see. Uh, uh, let me see. John Hewitt, the, the John Hewitts. John hmm. Hewitt's Belfast. Aye. It's in, I just thought it was brilliant because it's all the stuff we talked about where it's you need to go to the other community and go right what do you need what do you want how can we help Yeah. how can yeah. we make this that we don't restart the troubles with fucking the Irish Defence Forces wandering around the streets of Belfast instead of the British Army well that's, well, that's it too and you know and it's, it, it, I think it's wonderful I just think it's the best thing in the world and it's exactly what we need to be doing exactly what it's one of the things I was heartened to see here in Lurgan all the GA clubs, because we have that infrastructure within our communities, and because the GA is threaded throughout, um, we reached the GA clubs reached out, and they took in the cricket clubs and the rugby clubs and the hockey clubs, and all the things that the GA clubs were organising. They they did outreach to those things as to those communities as well, but those. The, the rugby clubs and the hockey clubs and the r cricket clubs wouldn't have been interconnected as the GAA would be 
So the GAA was always two steps ahead and able to provide answers to questions that they had. And very quickly, like overnight, boom, just led the whole bloody thing. And it, but it, what it's done, it's created uh, uh, relationships that weren't yes. there before. And I think that's fantastic. And we've got, we've now got uh, relationships. The, 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 some kids from, from the Peters were going up there and playing uh, rugby. And the rugby kids were coming down to Clan Earn and playing, playing GAA and, and trying it out and seeing what it's like and, and all that. And you, you, it sounds so fucking, yeah, really, is this where we are? We're only here now, but it's the reality. It is you the know? reality. And when I was younger, my dad would have took our neighbours out to try Gaelic football. And the sad mm. thing was, everybody would have loved it. But once you get to kind of high school level and you're within your yeah. own community, those people would have yeah. to drop out of the teams because they were like, I just... Like I really like playing sport, but I can't deal with this hassle of whenever I go, yeah. whenever I go to the twelfth of July, I can't tell my friends from school that I'm playing Gaelic football. Well, exactly, and 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 just on that as well, from the other side, I remember it's really weird. I remember a friend of mine um, years ago. Well, it wasn't actually my friend; it was an old guy, and we were. He was a Protestant fellow, and he was in. He was. He was a. He was an orange man, and the the twelfth was in Portadown that year, and he says, he says, my mate. Why don't you come over and watch the parade, see what you think? And my mate said, listen, I would, it's for me and my bro, he says, would you two come over with me? We'll go over for Portadown and see what you think. Well, he says, I sure, why not? This is, the, the troubles are still on. Your you name's know, Andy, you'd be all right. Aye, <laughs> Mervyn. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, uh, so we went over, and to be fair, we watch the, not for me, you know, the music I don't like and the dressing up like something, the wee toy soldier is a bit daft, but whatever, not for me, not the point. And we watched the, all the bands come through and don't know how many of them there was, dozens I'm sure. And we were all, yeah. And he, it was really lovely too because he then came in one of his bands and my mate Chris, who, who, was, who was his friend, he shouted at him, he shouted his name and your man sort of heard him and looked and waved at him from the orange I went, hey, and he, he was delighted to see us you know and it was great and it kind of made me feel really good for a minute but then right at the very back of the fucking parade there was a loyalist band there was two or three loyalist bands who were obviously paramilitary and dressed in the gear and they were at the back of it and I just for me at that time I was like okay lads time to go home let's get out of here and we, we were going home anyway, but that was the last time, the only time I've ever been to an Orange Parade and the last time I ever went to an Orange Parade because that abiding memory is with me. But that's all it took. A thousand Orange men marched past me with, 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 with no, you know, no emotional damage done to me because I'm a fragile little flower. And then all of a sudden at the back of it was these fucking hellions acting like dickheads. And that was it. Because you got to remember too, we were living in Lurgan, so we had that loyalist LDF thing going on with Billy Wright over in Portland. Yeah, that's right. So we, that, that was all kind of still hot. And, and, and so there was that. And I said, okay, fuck this, I'm gone. I get his point. It's, 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 there, it is harmless and all the rest of it. But if that's at the back of it. And that's what Protestants or Unionists, let's say, see when they see the GAA, they see IRA. That's what they think. I, I don't see that. What, whenever I see anything that could be harmful to a unionist or a loyalist is whenever I see, like, dissident Republicans love a good flute band or a pipe band or whatever. I'm like, it's the same thing in a different uniform. What the fuck is that? We're trying to, we're all trying to get on with our lives here. 
<laughs> we've got loads of them here. Well, no, not yeah. loads of them because there isn't loads of them, but we've got some of them here, you know, down there, just three or four hundred meters from where I live. It's in the state there. But um, but, but no, th yeah. dude, this is all total geography of where you are. I grew up in a mixed area, but I'm right beside South Armagh. So everybody I played Gaelic football against when I was growing up were all yeah. mad Republicans. And I was just like, I don't get this because I, because I had the fortunate life of living on my, just my street. It was our house. The Protestants next door, the mixed marriage down from that, the Catholics, then the more Protestants. We were totally mixed. And yeah. when you're a kid, integration is the way to go because you don't fucking see color, race, creed, Complete. religion. You have to be taught that by your fucking idiot da. <laughs> yeah, well, exa well, exactly, exactly right. And this, this is the thing just, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, for the future. What we need to do, we need to unite ourselves to, as, as a people. But we need we do need to have a common enemy, and we must make that the Tories. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we can unite along hatred of the Tories. That's you know I, I think that's a good sort of starting point to, to to go bravely forward into the future. It's not that I like you, but I hate them more, and that more can be the Tories. The enemy of my enemy is my friend who now plays for my Gaelic team. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Do you know what? I think it, it, I remember uh, quite a while ago, he's, he's the principal of my old high school, St. Paul's in Bestbrook. Jarrett Burns, who played midfield oh, for Armagh yeah. yeah. uh, from Great Silver man. Bridge, he got he in trouble. He ran for president there. He yeah. ran for president and sadly didn't get it. A guy from New York won because money. And um, yeah. I watched, he actually got himself in a fair bit of trouble because he went to the Orange Museum, which I think is in Loch Gall. And he was like, uh, I want to learn about the Orange Order. And he was one of the first to say, if we want a United Ireland and we want to get unionists into the GAA, yeah. maybe we should ditch the soldier song. And the shit he got for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's exactly that. I mean, but but this is but this is the point. That's called leadership. But th this is a man who grew up in Silverbridge in South Armagh. If you went to that man Absolutely. and told him he wasn't. He, he's a Gilgore. His entire family speak Irish. He grew up speaking Irish fluently. He would yeah. piss on some of the lads that would come forward and tell you that they're Irish Republicans. And I was like, yeah. you cannot say to that man that he's less than Irish for suggesting something that brings everybody on the island. How can we have a Gaelic football team in fucking South Africa and we don't have one in East Belfast? How does that happen? But this is exactly it. But he's a leader. People like him. And this is what we need. These are the people that we need to look to toward for our leadership. People like like like, like Jarlath. He's a great man. He didn't he bring kids out of a school down to the gay pride parade in Newry? Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. He got, he got shit for that too. Of course he got shit for it because he's, he's a brave man. He's a leader and he knew he was going to get shit and he did it anyway. It's called, it's called being a fucking leader. And this is what we, we're, 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 we're suffering, especially in, north, in, in the North, especially in the loyalists community, a paucity of leadership that is a, it's the detriment to us all. As you correctly pointed out, David Irvine was the last good leader that loyalism had. David Irvine did what he did, said he did it, admitted it, moved on, you know, saw, understood that it was the working class divided that, that, that led him down the path that, that saw him in jail. It was the working class being divided by the, by the, by the wealthy elites and the capitalist class, of which he is not, of which his neighbours are not, of which every loyalist in the fucking hate blocks is not. 
that's what, what it's all about. One of the things that annoys me with, with the loyalism thing with guys like David Irvine was um, I, don't, I don't like political revisionism where the DUP are now talking about protecting the Good Friday Agreement when they talk about Brexit, even though they voted against it. And the people <laughs> who stopped the loyalist paramilitaries and who got those people on ceasefire were David Irvine, Gary McMichael, Gusty Spence, who was in the fucking UDMs up. These people were... Yep. Dirt poor like the rest of us. Billy Hutchinson. Yep. And then yep. the mad shit was, after David Irvine died, other political parties tried to maneuver around and be like, we can get a bit of the DUP's vote if we go more more mad unionist loyalist. And you're just like, no, now you look like fucking agents. That was yeah. Billy Hutchinson. Was it the PUP? PUP, yeah. The PUP disappeared pretty much after Irvine passed away. I, that's all completely, I was, that's completely right. And this is the whole thing. You know, um, Irvine was able to point out to the loyalists that what the loyalists knew, it's like what you said earlier on, who else am I going to vote for? You know, that's that. The, oh, their, their options were the UUP or the DUP, and there was usually a political pact that never the twain shall fucking meet. Yeah. You know, and and that's what happened. So the end, so you end up with the, and, and, you know, and then the other worst nightmare was that you lost to seek the Sinn Féin. Who were the political representatives of your actual military enemy oh shit darn my battery's going that's okay hang on watch this now through the wonders of technology i managed to save that as andy's battery was about to die but he's back we were talking about uh political representation so continue sir yeah so you know and and, and that i mean for me that's the big issue that we have in, uh, uh, at the minute now again you almost have to preface Every time you say something nice about Sinn Féin or the DUP or the Loyalists or Republic, you almost have to preface it with a, a sort of a, don't be, don't be hating me because I'm saying this. But you can say what you like about Sinn Féin. They got their game together. They've got it down. They're down south. They're fucking, they're, 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 they're steamroller in a hundred years of, um, of, of establishment politics. They're literally riding over the riding over the top of it, but but that's what we need in the north as well. And as long as we're divided along uh, work, our working class has been divided along sectarian lines. It's never going to happen. The champ sixty nine said, "If the kids are united, then we'll never be divided." I think it was an old punk song. Exactly. Oh, there you go. That's right. Yeah, yeah. good. That, that's the, the importance of fucking music and protest. It's very important. But um, exactly, mate. Exactly. But I think this is good. This brings up a good point as well. Like, so Andy, I'm doing this this uh, recording with you now. My next podcast guest is actually is uh, a Scottish lad, but he's fairly right wing and a bit Tory and voted against yeah. Scottish independence. So, but at the same point, Where, he's worth talking he to. He's he's a comedian. I think he's I think he's Edinburgh. I must. You know what? I'm gonna find out. I've gigged with a guy, and he's a very funny comedian. And even when he does right wing material. I can't fault them because it's fucking funny. You know what I mean? But, uh, but, that's, but see, but see, that's 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 the whole point as well. You know, we're talking. You know, um, we've got we do live in this this era um, of what 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 is the the, the the parlance of our times cancel culture, where you can't have a discussion with somebody that you don't agree with. Absolutely, I, I remember talking to a friend of mine over in London, a dear dear friend who I love, one of my closest closest friends, and he lives over in London. And uh, I said, Are you going to, it was 20, I think, I think it was the 2016 election. I said, you going to vote for Corbyn? And he went, no. And that stunned me. And I, so I just assumed, this guy from Newry, actually. 
And uh, I oh, said, right. <laughs> and I said, I says, all right, okay. I said, why not? I said, I said, do you not like him? He says, I don't agree with everything he says. I said, I don't agree with everything my wife says, but I love her. You know, <laughs> I, you know it's, you, you must understand, and it's not the less choosing the lesser of two evils. You know, Corbyn was clearly the right choice for you. You know, and I'm not, I don't think he, I think he voted liberal. So that's, you know, whatever, but... Look, here, um, if, you, if you want to talk about people that don't agree with Corbyn, there's a guy, he's the MP for Birkenhead. His name is Conor McGinn. Have you ever heard of Conor McGinn? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Conor McGinn's from Bestbrook. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He's the Labour MP for Birkenhead. He voted in favour of the Trident missile. Okay? Didn't agree with a lot of what Jeremy Corbyn said. He was the year above me in school. His father is a former Sinn Féin mayor of Newry. You're fucking kidding. I'm not even. And I've chatted, like his dad is a guy called Pat McGinn, really, really nice dude, well known in our local community, does a lot of community outreach work. And he, I remember talking to him, I was like, what is your boy up to? And he went, do you know what? I think me and our fellow will never agree on politics, but he's still my son. Absolutely, absolutely. There you go. Well, there you, it shows you, that's amazing how far that apple fell from that tree. But, yeah. um, it, it's it, it is amazing, but but that's the whole but that's the whole point. You know, you must, you know, people didn't vote for Corbyn because they don't like his beard. That's fucking <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I didn't like Nobody that he looked. I didn't like that he looked like a history teacher. Tweed jackets. You know, you know, he's got elbow patches and he makes jam. Fuck that guy. Yeah. He wants to give you a good hospital and fucking public housing and fucking get you to retire at fifty five. What the fuck? I have a mate who's a school teacher in London and he said, I never thought about joining a trade union in my life until I started working in England. And he realized that if he wasn't, <laughs> if he wasn't part of the union, he was like, there's no protection for your job here. I need to get fucking yeah, organized. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's the, I mean, we do have that legacy of the troubles where we do have a bloated fucking uh, civil service here. So you, you get in there. You, I, have a, I have a mate, he's a, he's a trade union organizer too, and he works, he's, he works in the civil service. And he says, it is literally impossible to get fired. Literally impossible. <laughs> my mum's my been a civil servant since 1981. And this is the mad thing about if you can get in, you're sweet. Because there was a few years yeah. there where it was kind of shaky. Because obviously when the Tories get in, the first thing they do is decimate the civil service. They're like, right, that needs to be trimmed yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. And so for years they were doing, if you get into the civil service, you were there for one year. Whenever they stopped yes. doing that, they brought it back that you could actually be in the civil service again, which is the job my mum got in 1981. She was like, you should apply for that. There was 300 jobs going. I'm going to assume it was something to do with the, you know, the post-Brexit society. They're going to need extra civil service in case it goes on a tier. 15,000 people applied, including myself. Didn't get past the first round, Andy. <laughs> 15,000? For, for 300 jobs. But see, that's because everybody knows it once you're in, you're fucking solid. Exactly. <laughs> you're I'm, I was like, <laughs> I've, I've, I've just bought a house. What can I not get sacked from? <laughs> <laughs> I need the most secure job in the world. What is it going to be? <laughs> Civil servant more than. <laughs> and you know why it's so genius as well? Because if you're a civil servant in the North, there's probably going to be more jobs. If we ever do get the United Ireland we've been talking about, you're going to be even busier in your fucking world. It's like a lot of changeover. A lot of changeover. Exactly, exactly. It's going to be glad. But, you know, obviously we have a bloated civil service because of a lack of genuine opportunity. That's, yeah. that's why that is. That's why that exists. And it's, 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 I mean, it's almost a safety net. A publicly funded safety net that the rest of the country 
<clears throat> North, uh, uh, South and uh, the UK doesn't have. But if it was taken from us, we'd be fucked. Here's one of the things um, that I, I want to talk to you before I set you off free into the wilds of Lurgan, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, I used to have this thing that used to kind of stick in my throat. And it took me a long time to do, even though I grew up in the mixed area. And I'm assuming that this must have been way worse for people. And some people still can't do it. How long did it take you to be comfortable saying the words Northern Ireland? Because my dad didn't say that. I would have been the North, where we live in the North of Ireland. Or uh, your monster man. But we meant fucking nine counties, you know, that kind of thing. I do. Um, I, I, hang on, is it, am I being nuts or is this an actual... Was this a thing? Is this was this a paranoia that it took people a long time to say that? Uh, I don't I don't know that I can say actually sure of that. I'll be honest with you. Um, I mean, I, I my mother's from Cork and my father's from Lurgan. Uh, I was born in London. My 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 mother, her family, the story of how her family got to London is a fucking a novel in and of itself. But. Uh, my mother, my father went over there in the sixties, the mid sixties, uh, as uh, to to work as a builder, and uh, met my mum. They got married, became pregnant straight away, had me. Then they were going to emigrate to Australia. My dad won the pools in nineteen seventy something, and that it was a thousand pound or whatever it was, and. It was a significant amount of money back then, and it was enough to emigrate. So they had all their stuff on the boat in Southampton, and my dad was coming home to Lurgan to say cheerio to, you know, his mother, my grandmother, and all the brothers and uncles and sisters and everybody else. And while they were here, my they were building this estate that I live in now. They were building it, and my mother says, "I don't want to go to Australia. I want one of them houses." <laughs> Now, I should I should have I should have told you at the start. My ma's nuts, <laughs> right? It's troubles, Northern Ireland. We're going to go and live on the Gold Coast, and she decides to live in Alhill Park, which is a nice little sort of lower upper work, sort of a nice. It would have been working aspirational working class back then. That's where you would have wanted to live. <clears throat> Both persons, Bob. You know where you want to live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's so that was that. So my mum was from Cork. Now I was never raised in a political household, and definitely was not raised in a sectarian household. Had to go to mass, you know, observe holy days, and do all the things, all all the the, the normal things that a, a normal Catholic family have to do. But we were never taught the difference between Catholics and Protestants. There was no, there was never discussed. I remember going to the swimming pool when I was in primary school on the school bus and blessing myself going past the Church of Ireland church uh, ch a church in the middle of the town and, and someone slapped me in the back of the head saying what are you doing? No one of my fellow classmates in primary seven. Blessing myself going past the church. He says that's a Protestant church. Hey what's a Protestant? I, I, there was, I literally had no clue. There was never discussed despite the fact that we lived hundreds of meters, a couple of hundred meters away from an estate, Kowalki estate, which is to this day a Republican hotbed and a, a dissident Republican hotbed. We were still shielded from all of that with from a couple of, it was absolutely unbelievable. The pub that I'm going to, after I finish this, 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 this talk with you, 
I'm going to walk around to the off license, which is attached to the local bar called the Woodville Arms. You know what the nickname of it was in the 70s and the 80s? The Wounded Knee. That's what they called it. Fucking Right, that was that's. It's still called that to this day. People still call it the Wounded Knee as a joke to this day. Yeah. My we, father was. A, this this is no reference to the fucking Indian Wars in America, by the way. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And for people of a certain age, it means getting fucking kneecapped. But um, my dad was a, was was a, was a great character and a hard man. But he was a, he was a bouncer in it at one point, and he got robbed at gunpoint and dozens of times and all this sort of stuff. But I never remember knowing what the difference was. I never, and I I don't remember. It was never really explained to me. It was never. It was you know if I ever asked about anything, um, it, it was just sort of dismissed. Don't worry, that it's all right. Don't you worry about that. Just go play football, you know that sort of a thing. And then I went to live in England. <clears throat> I went away. I left home when I was sixteen because of the troubles. It was, it was, I was thoroughly depressed. I think like a lot of young people, you know, there's a serious danger at that time. Yet yeah, I ended up at the end of a rope because it was, it was shit. To this day, Andy, that is a fucking problem. Here. Ex- exactly, brother. Exactly, and so. I I, I want to I went away and and you know I fuck about for a few years and come back, but it's I always I've always identified as Irish, but I've always understood that I'm also something else, and I don't I don't resent that and I, and I don't I see it as a gift I see it as as a good thing, you know if I'm from if I'm from Dublin I'm also a Dublin if I'm a Dublin GAM man I'm a, I'm Irish and a Dublin GAM man no one else is a guy from Galway isn't a Dublin GAM man he's a you know he's so. Yeah, and it's a good thing, and it's a little bit of difference, and it's a good thing. And <clears throat> I remember one of my first—I remember one of my first instances as a young person when I was seventeen or eighteen, explaining Northern Ireland to an English guy. I'm not going to call him a friend because he wasn't. We ended up in an awful fight, but um, I explained Northern Ireland to him, and there was a guy from Dublin, and I said, "Well, why don't you ask him what they think? What the southern the, the southerners think of the British? Well, we're talking about the British occupation of Northern Ireland, etc., etc. And in language like that, that's what I was the language I was using. And he, I fully expected the guy from Dublin to back me up to we to say, "Yeah, we want the English and the British out of Northern Ireland." <laughs> and he said, "It it it horrified me because I never felt like I've been let down so much in life." What he actually said was. We'd love to get in that Dublin, lovely Dublin, North, North Dublin brogue. He said, we'd love to get a thousand JCB diggers and go to the border and dig a line around it and fucking push it off into the fucking sea. That's what he said. Yeah. I swear to God, that's what he said. And I was absolutely fucking stunned by that. Stunned me. And that's fine. That was his own opinion, and it's, he, he's not unique. But it's not everybody. And that's just the way it is. Well, that's why we have the phrase "beyond the pale" because people from Dublin never go beyond the pale. That's integrated <laughs> into the English language. For fuck's sake, you were expecting a, a dub to back you up. Uh, is that what that? When people talk about beyond the pale, they actually mean the pale, which was the Viking territories around around Dublin, which is the mad thing. So yeah, no, that's, that's completely, there's loads of stuff like that's ended up in, in how we would say, uh, just the English language and how it's ended up in places. Madness. Yeah. So that's pretty much the beyond the pale thing. That's, that's where that comes from. But Andy, with your podcast, uh, Andy, that's in the Bonnevilles, will you, 
what we've talked about, I think you should go do. And I'm going to go do the same because I'm, I'm doing another podcast and with somebody who is a bit more right wing. Yeah. We're, we're clearly lefty socialists, the two of us. So we're probably just agreeing with each other on a lot of things. So can we both go do podcasts where we find somebody we don't agree with and let's hear what they have to say? I'm, I'm very I, interested. I, I think it's essential. I think it's, I think it's a great, I mean, like you and I talking is one thing. Like I had a conversation with Rory the other day and but Rory is so knowledgeable that even, you know, talking with me, I can learn something and also my audience can, uh, can, can hopefully learn a lot of information from it. But it, it, there is a danger there of creating a little sort of bubble that you just talk to people that you agree with. And interestingly enough, I was listening to a pod, um, it wasn't a podcast, it was YouTube. There's, a, there's an economist, he's a Marxist economist called uh, Richard Wolf. I follow. He lives in New York. And he's a, he's a fantastic man, an interesting man. And he's, um, he's a professor of three, he's, he's, been educated, he's got degrees from Stanford and Harvard and Cornell. And, you know, he, this guy is educated as, as, as much as it's possible to be educated. But, and I follow him. And he, he, he doesn't, he does do interviews, of course, but he does talks. He more or less just talks to the camera. But he gives you, he backs up everything he says with, with all the, 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 the information of an, that an educated man has at hand. But he did a, 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 he was a guest on a YouTube channel the other day. And it was, it was the other, it wasn't his YouTube channel, it was another guy. And the other guy is a capitalist, an unavowed Wall Street capitalist. So Michael like Douglas, one. great is good. <laughs> Michael Douglas, yeah, and he's 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 um this guy is not a, he, he he's a capitalist in his bones. He believes it's the best. You know, and the thing that I found interesting, he doesn't just believe that it's the best thing for him to make money. He also believes that it's the best thing for humanity. He believes that capitalism is the thing that we need to be doing. And I loved. No, I think he's wrong. But yeah. I loved the conversation that they had. So this Marxist economist and a Wall Street capitalist have, and they disagreed on lot most stuff, and sometimes and it got you know very dis- disagreeable. But they didn't fall out. They f- they fought and they made their points, and 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 they made strong points strongly. And at the end of it, they thanked each other. And the guy turned around and said, uh, "Whatever he was doing a summation after." Professor Wolf had left. He said, um, "That was the, my, the most favorite interview I've ever done. I loved that. That was fantastic." And I, th- and that's exactly what I want to do. I want to do that. Yeah, I think with that kind of stuff, it's either going to bolster what you think, or it's going to make you go, "Fuck! I need to. I need to yeah. move here. I need to. I, I can't be. Yeah, it can't be the the unstoppable object and the immovable. You know, you can't have yeah. the two together. So, yeah, no, but." I, but I, 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 Go ahead. But no, but I mean, I think as I, as I say, I, I can move with the times. I've I've moved with my life of being, you know, when I was a voting age and idealist and younger and a bit of a punk, that was, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, SDLP. I was like, socialist, democratic, labor. I was like, I'm all three of those things. I'm I'm working class, you know what I mean? And that, that yeah. came out of being the civil rights party. And I think maybe for me, that was because my dad and my mom are old enough to remember pre-civil rights. That, yeah. that that apartheid system and i was just like fuck that's mad to the things that is mad. And that's why i say to people i was like 
Oh, I say to people, I'm like, go vote. I goes, your guy might not win, but fuck, I'm telling you, 40 years ago, people couldn't vote, or 50 years ago. So go on. I was like, people marched and died for your right to sit in your hole and go, sure, it doesn't do any fucking difference. Go and see. Give it a go. go. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And, the, and, the, and the, other, the, other point, the other point as well, as you said, to go and to be having the conversations with people uh, it's the, 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 that you don't agree with. Now, it's the opposite of cancel culture. It's literally the opposite of that. Because that cancel culture bull- is such bullshit. And one of the things that bugs me about it, it's been dumped on the left. It's like, it's like the, le- it's the left's fault. It's the left that's doing It's not the left that's doing this. It's the liberals. It's they own this. There's no reason to cancel faulty tires. That was some fucking middle manager that was looking to get into the fight. That's all that was. That's bullshit. And that, but by the way, just on that faulty tires thing, the re- that, was, that was pulled. It was edited of the major character when he was explaining to Basil about the West Indian cricketers using yeah. the N-word and all that. And that edit was done by John Cleese. John Cleese agreed to that a few years ago. It's now been pulled, and it's now been, if you listen to some people, it's because he was walking around stomping about like a Nazi. No, which that's it, not what it was. wasn't. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, but, there was, but either way, there was no need for it. That's just some manager looking to justify his fucking wages. And it doesn't help. It literally doesn't help. So if I can go and talk and to a loyalist and hear what he says, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to, I don't want to go in pre, pre-judging anything, I think I'm going to disagree with most of what he has to say. Unless he comes down on the working class side of things where we're going to be in strong agreement. But there's a good chance we could probably disagree with most stuff. But the point is that we can still have the conversation and walk away, friends. And I hope to, 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 to say, can, I, you know, can we be friends going forward from this? Because we need to do that. And the cancel culture goes against that. And how the fuck are you supposed to, you know, we don't live on an island of one where you can just, just everybody that you disagree with, you can just dismiss them out of your life. It that's not life. That's not the way things work. Now, when you, when you get the rancid, horrible stuff like ultra extremism and Nazism and fascism and, you know, misogyny and all, you know, fuck those guys. You know, they, 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 if you don't know that those things aren't wrong, well, I, do, I really don't know what to tell you. But when it comes to the normal discourse with people that you just don't agree with we should be having it look politics isn't it's not a line it's a circle and if you keep going left you're going to end up on the right and if you keep going right you're coming over here so that's <laughs> fuck off do you know what I mean? that's, that's the thing as well because I would I would describe myself as a lefty in the manners of the arts and you know uh, great art comes from great struggle and Left in it where I believe in socialism and I believe that, you know, that's the whole thing. People go, oh, you're a communist. I'm like, I'm not a communist. I'm like, in socialism, I was like, there's nothing wrong with being rich, but you have to make sure that the people making you the money are fucking well looked after. That's, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying we can't have people that have money, but it's obscene to have billionaires. It's obscene to have generational wealth. I was like, there's nothing wrong with you owning a business and having a few pounds and having a good life for yourself, but you need to make sure the people that are making your money are fucking well looked after. I'm not trying to take well, anything off anybody. And this is the whole, this is exactly the point, Darren. This is the point. I mean, and, and, but, but because these discussions aren't being had openly and honestly, and that's an important word, honestly. Everything is pushed into 
black or white, left or right, up or you know th th these extremes. So if you're a socialist, you're a communist, and therefore you're an, you're you're an apologist for Stalin for some fucking reason. How that happened, I don't know. But a, but I, I've been called that. I show support for the Cuban Revolution. Um. Uh, and I, I, I actually used to have a Twitter account years ago. I'll tell you the story about that some other time. But I, I got rid of it online. I was in fucking Finland. And I, like, I was that upset about this argument that I was having with these Miami ex-Cuban pats that were calling me all sorts of fucking names because I was thrown to... Now, the, the reality of the situation is it was a fucking revolution. Of course, people died. I don't want to see that happening. But the, the, but the Cuba that those peasants were living in, they were going to be dead by the time they're 50, come what may. And, and not know the joy of reading the book or, or enjoying art or, or getting to retire or live a happy life. Because all they, all they, all, they were fucking indentured servants until from the minute they were born to the day they died in order to serve American capital. And you turn around and say, well, the Cuban revolution is good because those people are no longer doing it. I didn't say it was perfect. I'm not saying that there wasn't wrong thing. But the people in Cuba are better from the revolution than they were before it. That's a fact. You can't deny that. I got crucified, crucified for that. Now, but the reality is we do need to be having these conversations. The conversations, we need to have them in order that whenever someone gets, you get accused of being a communist because you like socialism, that the people that hear that go, fuck off, that's bullshit, stop saying that. We need to know this instinctively. We need to be able to sit, you know, when the, the, the needs to, that's a dog whistle and needs to be heard straight away. No, fuck, that's bollocks. What are you doing calling him a communist because he, because he wants everyone to fucking uh, get a pension because we live in the seventh richest country in the world. Most of the wealth is offshore, but if we decided to keep it, we could fund our hospitals, schools, elder care, social care, mental health services, you name it, easily. And, and, and by the way, the rich guy still going to be rich. He's just not going to have all the fucking money. Yeah. It's not going to be in you Switzerland. <laughs> exactly. That's all it is. Right, That's Annie, all it is. I'd like to propose something. If this all doesn't work out, and if we don't get that, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about United Ireland, which you were talking about to, with Rory about. Rory said his conservative estimate, <laughs> that's a funny thing to say about a Schenner conservative estimate. <laughs> um, his estimation was within the next 10 years. If it doesn't happen, I'm up for moving to Scandinavia. You want to come? Oh, yeah, I'll come. What, 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 where? Which one? Which one? Uh, I've only been to Denmark, so I don't know. It was pretty nice. Where would you recommend? I like to go to, I've been to Norway. I've been to Finland. It was awesome. Finland's very fucking cold, though. Mm. Um, I, I would go... No, Norway is nice. I've been to Norway a few times. I can recommend Norway. I know a lad lives in Norway. I could give him a shout. See if he's spur him in the go. Uh, there we go. That's it. Let's go there, then. <laughs> right. Um, Andy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you on a cliffhanger ending, right? If you will come back and do this again... I want to talk to you about, because one of the things that I did when I was traveling as a comedian and backpacking, yeah. with the whole socialism uh, v. communism argument, I'd love to have you back on again, because I've traveled through Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos, and seen how that has system you? has worked in three different really? places. Yeah. That's awesome. I'd like to talk to you about that. Yeah. And also, do you know what? Let's, if, without inviting myself, let's do it in your podcast, or you're more than let's welcome back here anytime. That, no, that's a great idea. We should do that. I'll have you back online. Cool. Um, I, I just, just on that, I know a fella, Barry Ellis. He used to play in a great band called the Black Temple Shrines down in Dublin. And he is an English teacher in Cambodia, or uh, Vietnam. So is my mate Gary. And that's why I stayed with 
oh, there you go. And so he's over there. And uh, Michael, Mike Marmika, he toured uh, Vietnam and Cambodia and all that. But he, but he, that guy Barry, he came back from uh, from Vietnam for the lockdown thing, for the for the whole COVID thing. So he had to do that. But they, but anyway, sure, we'll talk about that some more. He should have stayed in fucking Vietnam. They handled it brilliantly. Um, Didn't they? The other thing as well is one of the other fun stories I will have for you is a story about my cousin. My first cousin left here in 1984 and moved to Boston. So he moved from Newry. His mom's from Newry. His dad's from Monaghan. Moved to America in 1984 as a socialist Republican. He's now <laughs> full-on Irish-American Trump supporter. So I have a whole story for you about that as well. So it's going to be- How in the name of good? Oh, actually, that depresses me. That's Next podcast. We'll Next about, podcast. We'll talk, we'll talk about that. Okay, okay. That's here, a good here, one. Yeah. Here's a clue Fox News. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. No Understood. I get it. Andy McGibbon, I'm really sorry for taking up fucking four hours of your life there. No, um, oh, thank no, you very much for coming pretty, on. Pretty. You've given me two parts of a podcast here, which is brilliant. So we've, we've covered really number one, you have bottles. So we can separate the, you can pretend. The professional and the the fucking anarchist in you is two different people. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. And listen, I'll, I'll, we'll do that. I'll get you on mine um, at, 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 uh, in the in the near future. And we'll no problem. So, folks, uh, go check out Annie's podcast, which is Annie. Annie, give me the proper pronunciation because you're on what are you on Andy, Spotify, Andy. Apple Podcasts, you're everywhere, right? Uh, all that stuff. And there's a YouTube channel. So if anybody does the YouTube thing, go over and give me a wee subscribe over there. It's very um very light over there. Um. Uh, Andy, that's in the Bonneville's podcast. Beautiful. Do you know what? Do you want to? Let's wait till things fucking ease up, and I'll come down to Lurgan and I get steaming because there's a train that's... stop down the road from my house, and I can get home. <laughs> well, here, well, well, why don't we do? Why don't we do one with me, you, and Mickey? Oh, good shout. Yeah, because well, he can. I can fucking sleep in his ma's front room or something. <laughs> there you go. We'll do that. Brilliant. Right, Annie, I'm way off to order myself a Bonneville's t-shirt and a pizza because it's Friday and I'm feeling like I'm fucking treating myself. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming on and giving us a bit of time. Uh, folks, if you've enjoyed this, as usual, Darren Matthews and sometimes friends, like, share, subscribe. Uh, if you're listening to this in various parts of the world, which I'm very lucky to say people do, people listen to this in, in different countries, uh, good luck with the accents. I'm sure I'm going to try and get subtitles available at some point. For whenever two our mom men get chatting to each other and uh, we'll organize something. But thank you very much for coming on. Andy, uh, you've been an absolute legend. Thanks for coming on, having a crack with me, and say goodbye. Loved it. Thanks very much, Darren. Really appreciate it, buddy. No problem, buddy.